hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am here tonight with the extremely handsome, charismatic, intelligent Mr. <laughs> Brendan Jones. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Who's this other person with my name? I'll scratch his eyes out. Well, and I'm also going to say incredibly sexy as well, because I've seen some amazing gym videos recently. <laughs> of you doing some squats you know you've you've risen me very alarmingly some mornings do you know that <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm very welcome i'm sure um don't you go coy with me you're the one uh, posting them i know i know look you know pe- people say when it comes to, you know, fitness or changing your diet or whatever, your motivation should be intrinsic. But I say no, um, if you if your motivation needs to come from people say, saying, hey, you look pretty good doing that, upload the damn photos. Well, <laughs> that whether you can get your motivation. You ain't motivating me at all to do the gym, but you're definitely motivating <laughs> me to do some kind of activity. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, Brendan! I believe that you have recently embarked on a new venture. Uh yes, yes, that's right. So um my my friend uh BJ, we actually have the same nickname because we uh share the same initials. Um she and I have started a gaming podcast called the BJ BJ Game Show. Um <laughs> You better be very careful about who's tuning into this. (laughs) Well, when I suggested the name, she did say to me, could people possibly take that the wrong way? I said, I certainly hope so. Yes, Uh, yes, they can. (laughs) Um, But she said, should we ever acknowledge that? I'm like, no, absolutely not. That's everyone else's (laughs) problem. Um, But yeah, so we take a different um, uh, sort of indie video game every month. We play it, and a bit like a book club, we invite people to play along with us and send in uh, their comments and thoughts on the game. So we've released two episodes so far. We've recorded a third episode, uh, and people can find us on Twitter at BJBJGameShow, and BJBJ is spelled B-J-A-Y-B-J. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah, BJBJGameShow. Yeah, so uh, come along and join us for that. Come on, you hamster people, get listening. Especially if you're a guy. You know what? I've never played a computer game in my life. Not ever. Would I still be able to listen? Um, I think so. Uh, a um, another regular contributor to um, Hamster uh, Conrad has been listening, and he doesn't play video games at all. I mean, I'll, I'll do anything to listen to you. I mean, but is this taking you away from flight for entirety? Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll miss you when you're not on those. Uh, no, I'm still doing, um, I think, five or six of um, the first Capaldi season. I think we've recorded two-thirds of that. And then ra- rather, selfishly, uh, rather selfishly, um, one of us decided to go on holiday, and then another one of us decided to go on holiday, and I'm about to go on holiday. But um, our scheduler extraordinaire, uh, James, has assured us that we can get everything recorded on time. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're starting to release uh, Flight Through Entirety for Series 8 of Doctor Who 
at the end of April, I think is the plan at the moment. Because one of those people going on holiday came and holidayed at my home, I did in fact listen to your deep yes. breath episode early. And I've got to say to everyone <laughs> who hasn't heard it, it's fantastic. Uh yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to hearing it because I'm not on that one. I think I'm on I'm on listen. Oh, goody. Uh I think I'm on Into the Dalek, listen. I will be on Dark Water, Death in Heaven, Kill the Moon. That's the other one I'm on. Yeah. Good. I hope everyone's given that. Because I like Kill the Moon. So do I. (laughs) So do I. People are mad. Although the fact that he said it wasn't about abortion, there's that massive bit with the screen that says abort. I do sometimes wonder if he's missing the point. Anyway, (laughs) why are we here today? What what is this long-awaited commentary that we've been talking about for the last two eons? Yes, yeah. So we're uh, we're here today because I was fortunate enough to uh, talk about Warriors Gate with you um, many many moons ago, and at the time um, we were sort of discussing Stephen Gallagher's work in general, and I and I kind of said to you, I uh, you know I quite enjoy Terminus. For, for for its faults and you said well why don't you come back and do terminus and you know then um i'm i i moved house which was a whole thing <laughs> and so now i'm i'm back baby and we're talking about terminus <laughs> well i'll tell you what you know how the um star trek movies you know it goes like sort of bad no yeah bad good bad good or you know that's the general consensus well, you started with Time Flight, mm. you know, so that's not a great place to start, <laughs> even though your commentary was amazing. Um, then to Warriors Gate, now to Terminus. I mean, I've got to get you back next for an absolute banger. <laughs> yeah, well. although it's, sometimes I think there's more to say about the flawed stories. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think, and sometimes it's the ones I'm utterly ambivalent about, where there's loads that I like and loads that I'm not sure about. I've done Fury from the Deep recently, and I just still don't know what I think of that. And I think there's great stuff in it, mm. but it's, I don't know, some of it don't chime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it started life not as a Doctor Who story, and it shows. It does show. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, look, I'm going to... I was going to say get us to the point, but we have been talking nearly 10 minutes now, so that's not really to the point. <laughs> um, well, should we go into episode one and start talking about this fabulous story? I think we should. Okay, well then. Uh, hang on a second. Something, something's occurring. What's going on? Hang on. You What's don't that? think anything you two could do would stop me, do you? What are you doing here? Die hard. <laughs> well, I couldn't miss the chance to talk about Terminus, could I? <gasps> Will you bugger off? What are you doing interrupting this? <laughs> well, it's all Fraser's fault. Because apparently now Terminus is my all-time favourite best Doctor Who story ever. So I have to be here to talk about it. <laughs> Hello, Brendan. How are you? Hello, Sty, darling. How are you? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Like I'm backstage at a theatre right now. Do you know, <laughs> <laughs> darling, darling. Well, well I love it. I'm darling. still gonna, I'm still gonna count us in now. Now you, okay? Us... Jesus Christ, we sat on that for a while, didn't we? <laughs> you know, Brendan, we've even gone to the, <laughs> gone to the lengths of Sai posting pictures on social media of him watching Crossroads tonight as well. 
just to fool him. <laughs> this deception goes deep, baby. It does. I'm going to count as in. Right. in okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Off we go. Now, Brendan, come on. Why do you like this so much? Um, I I think it is a it's a good quality script. Um, and it's it's one of those ones. J and T in the Davison era seems to have at least one story that almost doesn't get made, <laughs> and it's this one <laughs> this season. The Return, which became Resurrection of the Daleks, didn't get made at all this season. But this is the one that almost didn't get completed for various reasons. And we'll we'll discuss them as the story goes along. But it, this is very much the show that goes wrong. And for it still to be as good as it is, is it's a testament to the writing. It's a testament to the cast and, and Mary Ridge, the director. Um, and while, you know, usually I'm not a detractor of JNT's, he massively drops the ball several times on this one. Well, can I turn that on its head then and ask you, why do you mm -hmm. think people don't like this? Because this is not a popular story. No, I think I think part of the reason people don't like this is uh, the design work is pretty drab. Mm. And it's sort of understandable given the context of the story, but at the same time, um, you've got to create visual interest you know if you if you look at something like the girl who waited in the modern series which similarly deals with ideas of um you know viruses and death facilities and what have you that's quite visually stunning yeah despite some very stark content in that um so i think that's one reason i think another reason is the long persistent rumor that the ice warriors were meant to be in it <laughs> oh god yes <laughs> And, you know, we we as fans set ourselves up for disappointment and then get really, really cross, um, you know, where we get excited about something that we've made up. I, I've recently had this on Instagram where the BBC posted the um, video of Lenny Henry and David Tennant for Red Nose Day and so many comments just going, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And so I put up a comment saying, some of you are so bloody entitled. How about we just have nothing and then you can still complain, but no one has to put in any effort. And someone responded to me saying, well, it was all the hype that came up. It's like the hype was from fans. Yeah. The hype, like the BBC didn't go, we're having like a two minute scene with David Tennant. <laughs> it's like, if you hype yourself up. <laughs> Well, yeah, and got, it's one of those things, itself. isn't it? I think particularly with season 20, where there was all the publicity about something old coming back in every story, but they didn't actually mention that the something old was the same in three of the stories. Yeah. And I think, yes. so you're, you're, you're there thinking, well, it can't be the Black Guardian because we've, we've had him already. And so that's just a continuing thread. So what else is going to be the old thing that's coming back and... Yeah, it's just sort of all there in the background. Yeah. Sigh. Yes. Um, so my question to you then is, why yes. do you love Terminus so much? 
<laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I think um, because I've now watched it twice in in two days, um, my brain is now going, oh my God, it's great. There's so much good. And I think there is, a, I think it's a really good script, but it's misinterpreted in the production and it needed to be a really huge gothic um, production with huge over-the-top performances because the script is going pushing all the characters that way and it's not played large enough. Not played large enough? Have you seen Lisa Goddard in this? Well, that's just her hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think... I'm going to quickly tell you what I think now as well, you know, because I do that from time to time. Um, I think episode one is very strong. Actually, yes. I think it's really atmospheric and creepy. And the idea of this sort of blackness encroaching the TARDIS and then um, the unusual way we get to the, the leper ship and then the eerie atmosphere within the ship and then the brilliant cliffhanger. Like, I think not, it's not just on paper. I think it's really well directed as well. I'm one, I don't know where, in what order they did this. But I'm wondering if this all this all kind of was done first because it feels like it's had a bit of time put into it. Um, the Todd's scenes were done first, I think. Um, yes, yes. Bizarrely, those were those were the bits that I remembered from this story. It wasn't anything else from part two onwards <laughs> it was all the opening scenes with the TARDIS breaking up that really sat in my head and then after that it was a bit of a blank so much so that I didn't remember there was a robot in it I didn't remember <laughs> much about the garm or any of those things really so which I think is quite telling mm. the um the operate the blue switches scene that opens the story in in the TARDIS. Uh, that was that was say word filler material. Um, no. <laughs> but I think I think it I think I think it's a cut above his usual arguments right. and, and that sort of thing. But it it was because the episode was under running and they asked Stephen Gallagher, "Hey, can you write two extra minutes?" But he misunderstood and he wrote a whole new set of like tops and tails to existing scenes. And say word said, "Uh, no." <laughs> It's like we we would just like something on one set, please. What was the original <laughs> so start of the story then? Where did it where did it kick in originally? Um, Nissa, um, uh, sorry, Tegan showing Turlo to the room. So sort of they just arrive at Adric's room, and it's like this is your room. Yeah. Um, and then Nissa um, experimenting on her enzyme. If you're part of we've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> And and this scene of Turlo um, mucking about under the console, this was a, a pickup later because when it came time to record it, um, and Mark Strickson got down and opened the panel, JNT was up in the gallery and said to Mary Ridge, "Oh, those aren't the right components. They're currently at a Doctor Who exhibition. We'll have to get them back." And they did. <laughs> and they did. Yes. Well, so she had to <laughs> rearrange her schedule just to get. Yeah. Yeah, because she started on the first day two hours behind straight away because there had been um, electricians work overnight and nothing was working. So she lost two hours of the first studio day to begin with. And it was downhill all the way for poor Mary Ridge after that. Was there mm. industrial action involved? And yeah, she 
was was there industrial action i know i know that hit almost hit enlightenment was that happening during this as well sort of what what happened was the industrial action had already happened so a bunch of christmas programs hello shades of sharda a bunch of christmas programs <laughs> needed days in the studio so terminus lost a day in the studio to them and then the eventual remount that happens two months later was put off by about a week or so again because of a Christmas program. Um, so this story itself wasn't hit by industrial action, but it was a knock-on effect. Feeling the effects. So Yeah, what, and eventually it sort of transpires that you end up losing the Dalek story at the end of the season because of all of this. And everything is recorded slightly out of order. So they do this. They do the first studios of Enlightenment. Oh, no. No, in light, um, they do the King's Demons, then they go back and do Enlightenment because Enlightenment's lost its slots. So that takes the Dalek story um, slots and, yeah, off you go. It's just a complete mess. Mm. What well, I, I know, I, I think we probably will all agree that Matthew Robertson directed the hell out of Resurrection of the Daleks. I would have loved to have seen what Peter Grimway would have done with that as well. Yeah, oh, totally. Everyone went very quiet then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was, I was just imagining. I was just imagining what that would have been like. And my, uh, my first thought is, you know, who, um, who would Peter Grimwade have cast as Lytton? You know. Well, exactly. Yes. He would have been like, we're Dallas not Dallas Adams. Dallas Adams is Lytton. <laughs> <laughs> We're not having Chloe Ashcroft in this. We're bringing in Floella Benjamin instead <laughs> to get shot in. Um, so yes, what, please. What's the the whole thing about the studio time that was promised to Mary Ridge then that never happened? Now that she was told by JNT that he could have, um, she could have a two hour overrun to get everything in the can and finished. And then he reneged on it. He turned around and said, actually, no, you can't have that. Oh. And yet, not only that, he 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 said he said that to her, um, fifteen minutes before that extra time was to start, and she was twenty five shots away from finishing, and she she was like, I can probably get this done in an hour, and JNT just went, No, you don't have the time now, and she was really confused because she had actually negotiated with all the people you have to negotiate with, like the lighting and, and set crews and what have you, and everyone had agreed, so she didn't never knew why it suddenly went away. Do we um, know why? Was it was it pressure from above? Don't know. Ah. Oh. Don't know. Um Yeah, and uh, then then of course it was the um Sarah Sutton's farewell party. <laughs> With Sarah Sutton going, but I'm back in t in two months anyway. Like I'm not finished. I'm not happy. And apparently, Davison and JNT had their only argument in three years. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. pretty much. Davison going like, this has been this has been horrible for the cast because we were promised this extra time and we didn't get it. It's horrible for Sarah because she can't actually have her going away party now. You know, and and you know, John, this is your responsibility. <laughs> what a shame there wasn't Doctor Who Confidential back then recording all of that. I'd oh, I think it, it, that. I think that would have just added to the stress. <laughs> Poor Mary Ridge was absolutely distraught because she had never brought a show in um, out of time. She'd always 
got it in even um, Terminal where uh, the Blake 7 episode where they thought where David Maloney had said, oh, she's never going to get this all done in time. She's got to blow up the Liberator at the end. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Um, <laughs> sorry, Don't listen, Mark. Years. Don't listen. Yes, oh, Mark, it's too late. Um, <laughs> Fraser, don't listen. You realise I can't bring this out now. I cannot bring this I'm out. I'm just a liability. Series three of maximum power. So I can't bring this out for another year. I, you know, that 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 bit at the end of Blake Seven where she kills off Serverland is just amazing. <laughs> but you know, like Rich, I think Rich is probably one of, if not the best, Blake Seven director. I think her direction of Blake is stunningly good. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame. Like there is some atmosphere to this, but I don't think it has like the pace of her Blake Seven episodes. You know, or the or much of the style of it. So is that all just down to the pressures of of the day? Um, I I I believe so. Yeah, because there were there were times where, um, she was having to shoot, rehearse, record, because the sets weren't properly lit during the designated camera rehearsal period. Wow. Um, fa- famously with that with that switch off, like that day she was meant to have extra time. Um, they were recording this as leaving scene, but the set it was meant to take place on hadn't yet been lit um, properly. So she said, right, we're going to record it in the TARDIS co- control room. And Sarah Sutton and Peter Davison said, it doesn't make any sense for Nissa to come back into the TARDIS and then go back to the ship because of this dimensional instability. And Mary, Mary's like, look, I, I look, no, we need to get this scene done. And halfway through the scene is when the lights went off. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Of all the scenes. And, you know, it, of all the scenes. And so Sarah Sutton's there acting her heart out. When we eventually get to her leaving scene, she's really crying. Yeah, like, she's terrific. You know, it, it's, it's real acting. And she would have been putting in the same performance there. And then it gets cut off, and and, and Davison apparently um, was was shouting like, you know, <laughs> you get to record this on this set. It's not meant to be here, and now this da, da, da. not shouting at Mary Ridge, but just this isn't good enough mm-hmm. kind of thing. So then, did they have to come back and shoot for another day? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. During the Enlightenment so... studio sessions, they had to do a morning or something of Terminus. <laughs> mm. Sounds like bloody chaos. Did you see that scene a second ago where Nissa was walking about and the camera sort of lingers on her? She walks off that in that direction and turns around and there's that like really scary electronic scream and the zoom in on her face. Like, I do think there's some atmosphere here. Yeah, totally. Um Gallagher for this story was trying to evoke the Hartnell era because like Peter Davison, that was, you know, what was embedded in his memory. And this first episode is very Hartnell. You know, you've got the regulars wandering around, you know, Kari and Olvia have just turned up in their hats. (laughs) It's main. You've, you've, you've got, you've got crappy robot. Yeah. (laughs) do you not think that robot gives the federation security robot a run for its money and shitty robots yeah definitely 
Yeah. It's I mean, it's not it's not farting, but aside from that, no. <laughs> <laughs> what about those? Um, they. So this is one of the things that went wrong. Well, two of the things that went wrong. First of all, these costumes were originally made in blue. By okay. a very experienced Doctor Who costume designer, by the way. And Mary Ridge is like, you can't have blue. This is science fiction. You can't have blue. We're going to have blue screen. Um, so they had to be entirely remade in about three days in white. And then the helmets, um, when it came time for them to go on the set, the um, the special effects designer who designed them was was there and went, Oh, I didn't design these to be worn. They've got no air holes in them. Oh God! <laughs> Is that um, why they so look a bit to... perturbed when they come through that exploding door? Well, also the explosion was so big that um, Lisa Goddard let out an f bomb. <laughs> so, and it the was soundtrack, heard on the, the soundtrack was news muted. that night as well in the next studio. Yes. The explosion, not the F. Well, yes. maybe. Not you know, well, maybe the F bomb as well. <laughs> I've done Skippy and I was married to Colin Baker, but nothing's more terrifying than this. <laughs> I just say, I don't think there's a more mannered line in the show than when she goes, Advance party to radar. Come in, radar. Come in. <laughs> I mean, what does she think she's acting in? Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Kari and Olvia are very strange because Gallagher writes them to be sort of head to toe in like leather motorcycle outfits and like a crack commando team. And they've got capes <laughs> and huge and sort of, hair. You don't think he's got that yes. sort of new romantic look about him, isn't it? A bit of makeup. And yeah, oh, very much so. Hair. Oh, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. It's a, yeah, it's an yeah. odd choice, but, um, I know Dee Robson was um, was not popular with the cast. Peter Davison on the commentary didn't have a good word to say about her. So, oh, it was Dee, was it? Okay. But mm. um, Stephen Gallagher is very complimentary of, of her work in the documentary on the DVD, saying, yes. well, are they okay if they think it's impractical? It, it looks great. Those veneer costumes look fantastic. Yeah, I do love the design of the veneer costumes. When uh, when when we see them, <laughs> we'll discuss some of the impracticalities. But design wise, <laughs> they look they look they do look mm -hmm. terrific. So, do you think this is a case of a, a designer and a script? Just like 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 there hasn't been a tone meeting here to say this is how this needs to sort of look aesthetically. Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I I would agree with that. But, you know, I think if you look at someone like June Hudson, who I think, you know, does, sometimes goes off the rails with her designs, but they you all, think? but they still also somehow fit, you know yes. what I mean? She's got, she knows how far she can push it. Um, whereas I feel like Dee Robson here gets a particular idea for these costumes and doesn't consider character. <laughs> How, yeah. You know how they how they fit into the world. I mean, uh, poor Sarah Sutton's walking around in her undies. Yes, yeah. There's a there's a there's a reason for that, which we'll come to. More Not a very good reason, but it's still a reason. <laughs> okay, there is a reason, at the very least. <laughs> okay, boys. Well, I want to ask you both. 
um, your thoughts on Turlow and his mini arc this season and whether you think this was one, worth doing and two, successful. And let's start with Sai. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> it was worth doing. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was worth doing. It was an interesting choice to have someone who's not necessarily trustworthy in the TARDIS. I don't think they necessarily do it justice because how many times is he going to try and kill the Doctor unsuccessfully? And how often can you actually pull that off and then the writers don't really know what to do with him once he is redeemed particularly and they don't really know what to do with him in this story in particular as well after a very strong start in Mordred Undead and I think he's very good in Enlightenment as well but here no. Brendan? <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I agree with everything so I just said it was a really interesting idea for a character uh we we just had a moment with janet fielding getting grabbed by some extras and unfortunately one of them got a bit too enthusiastic on the first take and pulled her top down by did accident you, did you see that and, bit um, in um in power of the doctor where the cybermen hand came out of that lift shaft and they were all grabbing at her i swear that was a callback to oh this. no <laughs> oh yes yes good point um but yeah i think like mark is very I think Mark is very successful with the material they give um, to Turlow for this arc and as, especially the sort of emotional struggle he has with it in the next story. And I think it also gives Janet Fielding a new dimension to play because, mm -hmm. you know, she's been the reluctant companion in her first season and but now she sort of becomes the doctor's protector and is constantly kind of saying to Turlo, I don't trust you and I know you're up to something and I'm not going to let it happen, um, which is absolutely lovely. But yeah, here, because um, they want to foreground Nyssa, they um, are about to put uh, Turlo and Tegan into a, some ventilation shafts for two and a half episodes, <laughs> which again, those scenes have their moments because Gallagher's very good. But, yeah, it is a bit of a shame to sideline him in his second story. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as as Mark kind of points out, uh, as his character goes along, he just gets locked up a lot. <laughs> Do you, there's a scene later on in this story, you know, the scene that starts with them sitting on the stairs and he's like, Tegan, could you? Could oh, yeah. Me? And it's a really yeah. interesting moment. And I'm like, why didn't we get more of this? Yeah, oh, for sure. And the two, um, the two, two actors could really pull that off together, and it's a really interesting dynamic. Do you, do you like this cliffhanger? Because I think this is super effective. This cliffhanger, and I'm glad they used the word leper. I'm surprised they did, but I'm glad they did. Um. Yeah. It's. It's 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 interesting that they did, and of course they got complaints and whatnot, and basically wrote back those complaints saying, "Look, just watch till episode four, because this gets a payoff, and you know we do address it." I think I think the own the only thing that doesn't work, and it's not necessarily the line, it's the acting. It, I <laughs> think the only thing that doesn't work is. <laughs> it's like that could just be we're all going to die. You know, die. it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be. Or, 
yeah, or stretch out the whole sentence. We're all going to die. You know. Die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a problem when you're pirates, directing you know, an actor to do something but not explain it. Sort of elongated. Sorry, is a problem with these pirates because there's a scene later where Kari goes free. Free. <laughs> I also think it's it's a bit of a shame it ends with the close-up on the Doctor's face when actually it should have been Olvia who got the cliffhanger there because he's done the lines and done the work for that. I don't think that quite comes off. Because we're not yeah. focusing on him. Mm. But And especially because, you know, he's run up to the bridge and stood on the stairs to have his close-up and then he doesn't get it. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's a terrible ham, you know, Olvia. But well, he is. Because and... it's it's not your usual sort of moment of jeopardy. Remember our Marjorie Undead episode one ended with the Turlo picking up that rock. You know, it's it's basically we're in a really tricky situation here, cliffhanger. I quite like that. That's it's quite different from you mm-hmm. know, you're not gonna have someone coming in going, No, don't kill them, you know, at the beginning of the next episode. Mm. Mm. And um um Mary's direction of the Lazars coming out of their cell and going through the corridors, it does feel like you've got about 40 people there. Yes, it does. There, there's a lot of movement and a lot of bodies and a lot of hands and, and, and things, and it's it's nicely done. Do you know who's amongst that bunch of uh, lepers? Do you know who's in there? I do. I do. That's Kathy Burke, I isn't it? Listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Perry herself. I, I think we... I think we actually get a shot of her face at one point, and I'm going to point that out. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, I can't wait. Well, boys, I mean, we've basically spent the whole of episode one talking about Mary Ridge's poor nightmares throughout this production. Um, Brendan, we're in your hands in episode two. You are the moderator. Are you ready to skip into that one? I uh, I certainly am. Okay. Let's do it. Bosh! Right, I'll cut one 